What up, Westover family? How are y'all doing tonight? You doing good? Okay, I'm sorry. I think I interrupted something. Let me try again. Uh, what up, Westover family? You doing good? All right, I know we have some elementary students in the room. If you're in kinder through fifth grade, let me hear you. Listen, that is not the response you give me in the gym every single week. Let's try that one more time. Kinder through fifth grade, let me hear you. That's more appropriate. I'd have the middle schoolers do it, but too many cracking voices it'd be. I'm going to save you all the embarrassment. So our big idea for tonight is at... uh, it was actually, can you guys remember it? What was our big idea? Pastor Chrislin talked about it with us at the beginning of the night. Ooh. Who remembers it? Right here in the front. That's right. What you do every week matters. There's a pastor's kid that remembered that one. What you do every week matters. Now, the reason uh, the kids and student pastors chose this idea is because it's something that's very near and dear to our hearts. You know, uh, there's only so many weeks in a year. And as a father myself, um, I'm quickly reminded very often how fast those weeks really go. You know, I've got a a, a beautiful, by the way, this is not mine. Let's just establish that. Uh, This uh, Technically, it's mine because I bought it, but uh, this is my daughter's backpack. Uh, this is my oldest daughter's backpack, Adeline. And Adeline is three years old. Three years ago, she came into our lives, and we haven't slept since. <laughs> and the reason I'm holding a backpack is because just three years ago, less than 100, oh, sorry, less than 200 weeks ago, I had a little baby come into my life, and I wasn't carrying around a school backpack. I was carrying around a diaper bag. And nothing is more attractive than carrying around a diaper bag. Am I right, guys? Like, never have you felt more accomplished and masculine as a father than when you are carrying a diaper bag with a little bit of puke on your shoulder, like a badge of honor. Well, as you know, my daughter's three, and that means over 150 weeks have gone by, and my little girl has changed so much. And she's three years old. She turned three in December. And what's really fun is that I'm only going to get a year to know my daughter as a three-year-old because sure enough, December's going to come around and she's going to turn four years old and I'm going to cry, not in front of her, but I'm going to cry because my little baby's growing up. And so I've only got so many weeks to know my kid in this phase of life. And before I know it, it'll go from an Elsa backpack, which she chose, by the way, I did not choose this, to another style of backpack because she'll move up. And you know, It's so funny because when my daughter first turned three, you know, three is such a a pivotal age for kids. When my daughter first turned three, she could barely make out sentences. I mean, she could, but if you have a three-year-old in the house, you know, they're not good for deep theological conversations. Uh, You're doing good to get juice, food. You You hear no a lot. But they're not really good for conversation. Now, six months later, eight months later, Uh, I cannot get my daughter to stop talking. It has changed completely. She went from barely talking to all that it's, oh, for the love of Jesus in heaven, please just stop talking. I beg of you. I love you, sweetheart. I love your voice. It's angelic, but just five minutes. I just want five minutes. I'm in the bathroom. Leave me alone, (laughs) please. (laughs) We don't need to hold a conversation right now. 
But you know, when my daughter first turned three, she loved watching princess movies. And that really hasn't changed in eight months. It's only actually gotten stronger, hence the, the Elsa backpack. But my daughter went from enjoying movies to now being able to quote and sing movies. Now, I have seen Frozen so many times, I'm pretty sure I should be getting royalties from the film. And my daughter can not only sing and do all the motions at the tender age of three and a half, but she also knows that halfway through Let It Go, if you're going to do it properly, you start in her ceremonial dress, and then with a quick costume change and a twirl, you change into her ice queen dress. And my little three-teen-year-old will remind me of this all the time. And you see, the reason why we say what you do every week matters is because as a parent, sometimes, not every time, sometimes I don't remember what I don't remember. And that's because despite our best efforts, sometimes as adults, we forget that every kid is made in the image of God. Now, when I say every kid is made in the image of God, that means that your son and daughter has a divine capacity to believe, to imagine, to love, to care, to relate, to trust, to reason, to improve, and even to lead. Now, if you ask me, that sounds like a lot of potential. But you see, unfortunately, because of the way we were raised and the way that culture raises us, we've been so programmed that we look at all of the things that are wrong with our kid. My girls are three, two, and five months. I can tell you a lot of things that are wrong with my kids right now. You can sniff in my house at any given point of the day, and I can tell you there is something wrong with one of the kids in my house. But a lot of times because we're so programmed to see what's wrong, and we have this urge to be there for our children and to protect them and to do what they need, that we forget to look and see what's good. And you see, when you learn to remind yourself, I find this very challenging. When I learn to remind myself consistently that my kid is made in the image of God, I find it changes the way that I see my kids. If I don't see my kid as something that needs to be sheepdogged or needs to be herded or cleaned or corrected, and if I see them for the potential that they really have locked inside of them, it changes how I see them, it changes how they see themselves, and more importantly, We believe it changes how they see God. You see, when your kids start to believe that they're made in the image of God, I believe that it will impact the way that they make decisions. For my daughter, Adeline, right now, she's three years old, so the decision is really, that kid just pushed me on the playground, should I punch him in the face? To which I said, Daddy didn't raise a quitter, you put that girl down. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, stitches get stitches, but I I didn't teach her that. (laughs) But I know as my daughter gets older, this is going to become more and more important. When she hits elementary school, when she hits middle school, it's going to affect the way she makes decisions using technology. It's going to affect the way she makes decisions on how she looks at sex, how she treats her body, even how she treats other people. You see, we believe firmly that every week matters, and we don't want to miss it. That was a little heavy, for me anyway. For you guys, you look like you're going to handle it. I think it's time for us to play a game. You guys ready to play a game? So this half of the room's ready to play a game. Hi, guys. How you doing? You ready to play a game? 
Okay, we'll come back. It's all right. You just finish your nap. It's okay. You guys ready to play a game? Perfect. I suspect this side's going to win, um, but we'll see. All right, so growing up, I grew up in the church. We played a lot of games. A lot of them are probably illegal now because, like, kids choke on marshmallows and stuff. But this is a perfectly safe game that will require a bit of running. So how many of you in the room have energy? I see a lot of kids. I don't see a lot of adults. Not a lot of adults. Okay. What I'm going to do real quickly is simple. I'm going to ask. We're going to play this game two times. How many times are we going to play? Perfect. And this this game is going to require everyone in the audience to participate. So if you thought you could take this moment to take a picture or to update your Facebook profile, uh, this is not the time to do so. You can wait till one of the uh, student pastors is up here. Um, What I need you to do is we're going to play a game called Hot and Cold. How many of you ever played this when you were a kid? You probably did. You still don't know the name. The way it works is I'm going to throw a ball. I'm going to have one kid come up. And we'll have a kid play first. And then to make it fair, we'll have an adult come up. So we're going to have a kid come up. We're going to blindfold them. And I'm going to throw this ball somewhere into the crowd. Now, when you catch the ball, put it down in your lap so nobody can see it. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to unblindfold the kid. They're going to have no idea where it's at. This is going to be incredibly entertaining for the rest of us. And what we're going to do is we're going to give that kid 30 seconds to run around the auditorium... This is a free moment for you to run around the auditorium. And you got to try to find where this is hidden. Now, if you can get within three rows of it before 30 seconds is up, you win. And if you win, i got a pretty awesome prize for you. If you don't, you got to do the walk of shame back to your seat. And we'll high-five you, and Jesus still loves you. You were made in the image of God. All right, so we'll have this side go first. So I need someone who is, uh, let's say, in the elementary age range. Let's go first through fifth grade. First through fifth grade. Mm, Let's see, I need somebody sitting down in their seat. Somebody's got a big smile, a Kool-Aid smile, like, oh, yeah. All right, perfect. I've got a guy up here. Yep, you, you just pointed at your head. Run up here, real quick, run, run faster. You're going to see Miss Rachel up here. Now, how you guys are going to help him is pretty simple. If he gets closer, you're going to clap faster. Let me hear you do that. Clap fast. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. No applause. Just throw money. If he goes farther away, then you're going to clap slower. Clap slower. Yeah, that's what I'm used to. That's, that's kind of my life. All right. Now, I'm going to throw it on this side. We'll, we will give him a little bit of a break. All right, here we go. Can he see? Slap him in the face real quick. No, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. All right, here we go. Here we go. I went to Bible school, guys. I'm not an athlete here, okay? Take it easy on me. All right, keep it down, out of sight. Don't put it up in the air. Go ahead and bring him up to the middle. Here we go. A little faster than that. A little faster, a little faster. All right, and on the count of three, you guys are going to say go and then clap to tell him where he needs to be. You got, make sure you take the head the bandana off. Yeah, we don't. That's a whole different game. <laughs> All right, here we go. Count of three. One, two, three, go. He, right now he thinks he's done the best job ever. They different kinds, but they do. 
row do you think it's in point which row that row all right where is it really put it up in the air oh it's in that row what all right my dude you just won yourself now i'm gonna give you a hint this is influence my friends you will make a lot of friends and potential girlfriends with this right here. Here you go, my dude. Thank you very much. Give him a round of applause. All right. This side, it's your turn. Thank you for participating. I need one kid that is standing up. You know what? Let's do an adult this time. Or a teenager. Let's do a teenager. They haven't done anything. Let's do a teenager. Uh, there's a young lady in the back with a jersey on. Oh, you can't cower out of it now. You put your hand up. That's you, sis. Come on up. Hurry. Run, run, run. Give her a round of applause. Give her some encouragement. Any moment now. Boy, this is just like getting ready in the morning, isn't it? Perfect. Go ahead and blindfold her. And to make it more interesting, we're going to leave her blindfolded. Just kidding. All right, you're going to use the whole auditorium this time. Can she see anything? Just to see your hand flying at her face? Perfect. All right, here we go. Guys, I didn't go. To, don't look at me like that. I didn't go to. I didn't play sports, okay? Jeez. All right, go ahead and take her blindfold off. You ready? Count of three. One, two. Did you just point to where it was? just mess up the whole game all right it could be anywhere all right here we go one two three go help her out you got the whole auditorium really move around explore the space that's not a good sign 15 seconds Oh, 10 seconds, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, stop, stop, alright, where do you think it is? Ooh, I like that song. You think it's over here? All right, show them where it's at. She's within three rows. She gets it. Give her a round of applause. All right. Now you get one of my personal favorites. Now, do you, do you like these? Oh, you should. You live in San Antonio. Okay, this, once again, is influence. This is an opportunity to meet people. But don't meet any boys. You're young. You don't need to do that. All right, everybody give her a round of applause. Give her a round of applause. 
Well, I'll be looking afterwards for some hot Cheetos. I'll be looking for that. My name is Pastor Jonathan. I get the privilege of being the middle school pastor here at Westover Hills. And um, the bottom line today is that what we do every week really does matter, especially us as parents. What we do every week matters. And like Pastor Will said, one of the ways that we can miss that is by not remembering when we don't remember what we don't remember. But another way is when we don't see what we don't see. So I want you to imagine with me real fast that every student, every kid, every phase has an imaginary sign. And that imaginary sign has, has an invisible question. And every student, every kid, every phase is asking a question that they're desperately in need of an answer for. And we don't always see it because they're never really expressing it to us and and saying explicitly, this is what I need. But when we don't see what we don't see, we miss an opportunity. So some of the questions that uh, that our kids are asking in elementary age, they're asking the, the do I question. Do I? For example, elementary age students are asking, do I have your attention? Can you say amen, mom and dad, right? Hello, mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. You're like, what? Right? And you're like, they're asking, do I have your attention or does your cell phone have your attention, right? And they're asking these questions of, do I have friends? When you fast forward and get to the high school phase, really what they're asking is more abstract and more philosophical. And they're asking these why questions. Why do I believe? This is why some of you are experiencing some of your high schoolers questioning their faith. Because they have this invisible sign with this question saying, I need help. And listen, how you and I respond, how we answer those core questions will shape their identity. But bridging elementary and high school is this important phase, middle school. And you've gone from when they were born over 900 weeks with them. And by the time they're in middle school, you only have over 350 weeks with them before they graduate. And they're out of your house. And they're asking this question. They're asking us each an invisible question. And one of those questions is, who? Who am I? This is why you kind of see your your middle schooler one week, they have pink hair, they're joining every sporting event that they can possibly join, and then the next week they have like black hair, right? Everything's black, they they hate school, right? And they're asking this question, who am I? And how we answer that question will shape their identity. They're also asking the question, where do I belong? Where do I really belong? Do I belong at church? Do I belong in this family? Where do I belong? And how you and I answer this question is going to shape their identity. But sometimes we don't see it because we don't see what we don't see. It was just last year I was talking to a parent of a seventh grader. And uh, they were in our, on our office and they began to express to us that their student had lost their joy. Used to be exciting. Used to be happy to go to school used to make friends, and now they've lost it. And so they're asking, what, what can we really do? And we began to talk about these core questions, and they start to answer those core questions. Who are you? You're a child of God. You are called. God has a plan for you. You don't see it, but we see it, and we're going to continue to pour that into you. And then they start to say, where do you belong here? So this family serves at Westover every week, and they started to say, we want you to serve along with us. And it was just two weeks ago, I looked in the sound booth of our middle school ministry and I saw this student and he was laughing and joking and he had friends again. How we answer these questions, these invisible questions that we don't always see is going to shape the identity 
of your students. And you have a chance to answer that every week. Why? Because what you and I do every week really does matter. Thank you. Can we give it up for the best middle school and, and uh, elementary school pastors in the world? I'm Pastor Tito. I'm your high school and young adults pastor. And as we continue our conversation on why what you do every week matters, I remember just a couple years ago, I was still fairly new to Westover, and Rachel Petz, you saw her just a moment ago, she taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, why don't you come with us to kids camp? I was like, okay. And so here's Rachel, and she's like, you know, I've been praying and fasting about just where to put you, Pastor Tito. And I'm like, okay, awesome. And she decides to put me with the amazing, incredible, outgoing fifth graders, incoming sixth graders. Come on, somebody. And here I was, here I was in the land of, wait, I need deodorant now, right? I I was here in the land of, wait, you mean girls might be watching me from across the cafeteria, so I need to look good and smell good? (laughs) And there I was, and I met this one particular young man. And the fifth grade version of himself is, as you could imagine, super silly, vying for my attention, trying to impress me with his vast knowledge of Pokemon, right? Trying to impress me with his, like, super athletic skills because I look like this and I'm not good at any kind of sports in the world. Nothing new, right? Not to mention he had, like, an endless supply of super witty your mama jokes, right? I was like wow, hats off to you. Like I hadn't heard half of these. But fast forward just a few years later, here's that same young man entering his eighth grade year, one year away from high school. And he's looking to his pastors, to his peers, and those who influence him with a vastly different set of questions and life experiences. Just like Pastor Jonathan said, and now he's going through completely different stuff. And for as shocking as it is, when you overhear your middle schooler talking about who's hooking up with who at school, for as shocking and as scary as it is, when your high schooler is talking about who just got pregnant in their freshman class, at the same time, there are also some strangely predictable parts to development. And the truth is, we often don't anticipate what we don't anticipate. For just as a baby spits up, a toddler wets his pants, right, right after you changed them and you just got in the car and it's too late and you don't have an extra set of underwear, right? A five-year-old starts school, a first grader loses their tooth. In the same way, a fourth grader is going to ask for a smartphone. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. A sixth grader is going to eat a whole pizza by themselves. A ninth grader's voice is going to change and it'll be embarrassing, For them and for you, because you're like, this is my son, (laughs) right? (laughs) An 11th grader will ask you for your car keys, and a senior will graduate and hopefully move out of your house at some point. (laughs) And knowing what you know, we've got to be prepared to parent and support differently at these different phases. Because no matter how well you think you know your child, these changes will force you to relearn some of your parenting skills. You already know that parenting a preschooler takes a completely different set of skills than parenting a middle schooler. 
right? Although there are going to be awkward conversations about the body with both, right? You just can't get around those things. You already know that convincing a two-year-old is completely different set of skills than trying to influence a 10th grader. Although you'll notice both are battling for a sense of independence. So it's our job to zero in on a strategy. It's our job to plan ahead as parents, as grandparents, as peers, as best friends, as tias and theos, as big brothers, for how we're going to shape the relational, emotional, moral, and spiritual development of this generation. And here's our recommendation. Here, here our heart. As, as your pastors, our recommendation is three things. Number one, don't miss your role. No one has the potential to influence your son or your daughter the way you do. Nobody. Nobody. There's no one else that's as unique a blend of coach, as unique a blend of friend, counselor, teacher than you are. And whether you're in the parent role or whether you're a friend or or whether you're a grandparent, understand your role. That if you have a preschooler in your world, Let's learn to embrace their physical needs. Let's spend the first 200 weeks of their lives helping these children develop a sense of security and confidence. And if you have an elementary age child, let us learn together to engage their interests, to appeal to your child's curiosity, to broaden their knowledge and abilities. And if you have a middle schooler, can we have a moment of silence? God bless you. Middle schoolers are the best. I love middle schoolers. Affirm their personal journey. Hear me. Show up consistently to give your kids stability as they navigate through changes that shake their world and help them to discover their true potential in Jesus. If you have a high schooler, mobilize their potential. Guide your teenager's values and passions as they launch into the new realities of the adult world. And let me encourage you, number two, don't miss this week. Here's what I mean. Don't miss this week in your kid's life. Learn to leverage your your daily routines and spend time helping to shape your kid's future. Let us learn to create a weekly rhythm for your family where you can be intentional about shaping them. For instance, when you have mealtime, You can establish values over the conversations while you're eating. But it takes pausing the TV. When you go to bed and you're putting your kiddos to bed, you can strengthen your relationship through heart conversations. When you're having drive time, it's okay to say, Hey, honey, get those earbuds out of your ears. Thank you, little pump and Skrillex. They can wait, okay? Right? When you connect positively in the morning time, you can instill purpose and give them fuel for their day by, listen, by speaking life. Man, imagine, imagine if every single one of us, every single week, were to make our time together with the kids in our lives count. And here's our last appeal, number three, don't miss Sunday. As a parent... You are not the only influence your child needs. Sooner or later, a shift will begin to occur in your relationship with your son or daughter. And when it happens, it may seem like they care more about the opinion of everybody else in their world except for you. 
but don't take it personally. Instead, leverage that shift and widen the circle of positive influences in your child's life. A church has the potential to connect your son or your daughter to a caring leader who believes in their future the way you do. How many other places do you know of that their whole job is to connect students to leaders who love them and want to come alongside you and your families and help you win with your kids? And know this, every kid is looking for a tribe outside their family where they can find a place to belong. And you can either help them find that tribe intentionally or they can find it in a locker room or they can find it on a court. Hear our heart. This is a place where your kids can find adults who love them and will remind them that they are made in the image of God and have limitless potential on their lives and that with God, making great is part of their story. Friends, the clock is ticking. Time keeps moving, but you get the choice to make history as a family every week. And can I tell you, can I tell you, if my daughters move out of the house when they turn 18, my wife's praying, Lord, don't let them leave. I'm praying, Lord, get them out of the house. That means my youngest, Allie, I only have her for 855 more weeks. That means Ava, my oldest, my two and a half year old, I have her for 799 weeks. And if you're here and you have a 14 year old, you only have them 208 more weeks before they launch into adulthood. If you have a 16 year old, 104 weeks. If you have a 17 year old, 50 two weeks. Remember, in this room, it's our job to do whatever it takes as parents, as grandparents, as friends, as aunts, and as uncles to impact the kids and students in our lives for Jesus, because what you do every week matters. Thank you. Parents, I don't want you to miss this. The gentlemen you saw up here are the people who are shepherding your kids and your students. I believe in them. We believe in them. And it's the reason why we have them on this team, so that they can shepherd and pastor your kids and students. Give them another hand. I want to briefly share with you two habits for a happy heart. We've been talking all about phases And we need to be intentional because our kids change over time and they require different things. But I want to share with you two habits for a happy heart that you can do regardless of their age. And so I want you to to join me in Proverbs 17, verse 22. And if you happen to have the Westover app, we have notes there for you to keep track of what we're talking about here. This is what the verse says. If you're cheerful, you feel good. If you are sad, you hurt all over. If you are cheerful, you feel good, but if you're sad, you hurt all over. Parents, here's the one thing that I want you to focus on the rest of the year, regardless of how old your kids are, is I want you to champion happy hearts at home every week. Champion happy hearts at home every week. Here's the reality. Your kids and your students are going to face challenges when they go to school. 
They're going to experience adversity. They're going to experience bullying. They're going to experience mistreatment. And we have an opportunity and a responsibility to champion happy hearts at home. And so I want to share with you two quick habits that we can incorporate in our family to champion happy hearts at home. Number one, celebrate happy hearts. If you're cheerful, you feel good. Now, parents, some of us are way too serious. Uh, Serious at the pool, serious at SeaWorld, even serious at birthday parties. Kids, are your parents way too serious sometimes? I'm going to ask again. Are your parents too serious sometimes? That's what I thought. Now, parents, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Each and every week or each and every day, I want you to laugh and to smile. Because happy hearts are healthy hearts. Happy hearts are healthy hearts. And I just want to tell you, you're actually doing it not only for the benefit of your family, but also for you. Because people, when they are happy and they are laughing, they're, they're actually connecting the family. They're actually taking care of their physical heart. When you laugh and smile, your brain works better. You actually stay healthy. In other words, when you laugh and smile, you live longer. Who wants to live longer? God bless the rest of you. (laughs) We're praying for you. Laugh and smile every day. So kids and students, I have have two challenges for you today. And the first challenge is this. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Okay, the first challenge is each and every day, find a way to help your parents, your grandparents, your guardians, whoever you live with, help them laugh and smile each and every day. Maybe do a goofy face, maybe tell them a joke, maybe do a little funny skit at home. Uh, Students, maybe you send your parents a GIF or maybe a meme or maybe a funny video. But sometimes we as parents, we get a little too serious, but we want to invite you. You have my permission to, to to help your parents, your guardians, whoever you live with, to laugh and smile each and every day. Now, don't do it to try to get out of being in trouble, Okay, because you might get more in trouble, but try to find a way to help them lighten up, loosen up. That's one thing that you can do. Parents, life's too short to be grumpy. Learn to laugh and smile every day. The second habit is to encourage sad hearts. If you are sad, you hurt all over. Parents, school is hard. Teachers are tough. Classmates, Classmates are different, maybe a little weird. Sometimes people are mean And these are the challenges that your kids and students are facing each and every week. And what I want to encourage you is when they come home, sometimes they come home with stuff in their heart that you don't know. They've experienced challenges. They've been bullied, mistreated. And when you sense attitude, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to discern whether it's disobedience or whether it's disappointment. Disobedience or disappointment because you treat each one differently. If it's disobedience, be willing to correct it. But if it's disappointment, encourage sad hearts. Encourage them. They need to know that you're there to champion them. They need to know that you've got their back. They need to know that you believe in them. They need to know that you are their safety net. So be their safety net when they are sad. Be their safety net when they are sad. And the word net actually gives us three quick steps that we can do to encourage sad hearts. Number one, notice. Be willing to say, I notice that it's hard. I notice that you're having a hard time in class. I notice that you're sad. I notice that you're frustrated. E stands for encourage. Tell them, I know it's difficult, but I love you. 
I believe in you. You can do it. I'm proud of you. Don't give up. Keep going forward. Our kids, they don't hear that. And maybe your teens, your students are too cool for school and they'll seem like they're not listening, but they'll never say no to encouragement. They'll never say no to you encouraging them. And then the T stands for take a step. Take a next step. Be willing to take action. Be willing to say, hey, do you need a hug right now? Can I help you with it, whatever it is? If it's classwork or a project or if they're having difficulty in school, whatever it is, be willing to take a step. Be their safety net because they're going to face challenges and they need to know that you're there to champion them. And as we close, I want to offer one final thought. And this is the final thought of tonight is pray to power up. Pray to power up. Now, those of you who play video games, you know it's really great to always power up. Well, in life and in our spiritual walk, we pray to power up. That's how we get connected to God. And then he's able to give us what we need to face the challenges. So pray to power up. And, and I want to just encourage you students, kids and students, that you can pray to power up anyway. Anywhere. You can pray to power up at school. You can pray to power up if you're talking with a friend. Maybe you're having a fight. Maybe you're having a struggle. You can pray at any moment. You can pray to ask God to help you remember what you studied for your test. Pray to power up. And this is the challenge that I, the second challenge I want to offer to kids and students. Kids and students, are you listening to me? Yes, I hope you're listening. I want to give you permission to ask your parents, your guardians, whoever you live with, I give you permission to tell them, will you please pray for me before I go to school? And then before you go to bed, you can also say, can you pray for me before I go to bed? You have my permission to ask your parents to pray for you. You have my permission to do that. And I want you to discover that when you pray, you power up in life. And to our parents, what I want to encourage you is as you pray for your kids and your students, I want to give you three quick thoughts of what you can pray for. Number one, pray that God would protect them. Pray that God would protect them. There are moments when they're going to encounter hurtful words and hurtful actions and isolation and bullying. And Proverbs tells us, above all else, guard the heart because everything in life flows from it. And parents, we have a responsibility to pray that God would protect the hearts of our kids and our students. The second is that we pray that God will provide for them, that he will provide for them friends who love Jesus at school, that he'll provide for them knowledge, that he'll provide for them focus, that he'll provide for them teachers that will coach them and encourage them and teach them. And the third thing, I want you to pray that God would provide his supernatural presence, protection, provision, and presence. And with that said, I want to invite everyone to stand with me. And we're at the moment in our service where I want you to gather the people in your family together, maybe hold hands, maybe put your arms around them. Parents, what you do every week matters. And we're here to support you. What we want you to do is we want you to cultivate a pattern in your family where you're praying for your kids and your students. I just want to encourage you. You can do this. You can do this. 
And so as we pray, I want you to call out their names. I want you to ask God to protect them. I want you to ask God to provide for them. I want, to ask, I want you to ask God to provide his presence as they step into this new, next school year because everything that we do every week matters. Let's go to the Lord. God, we are here. You've challenged us. You've encouraged us. And right now, as we started off the year, we said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we reaffirm that commitment to you today in front of our kids and our students. We say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as we call out the names of our kids, we ask God that you would protect them as they step on campuses, as they step onto buses, as they travel from classroom to classroom. God, that you'll protect them, that you'll protect them on the basketball field court, that you'll protect them on the football field, that you will protect them, put your hand of protection upon them. And God, I ask that you would provide for them, that you would provide for them friendships, and that you provide for them wisdom and discernment and the ability to focus at school. God, provide divine, divinely for them, God, so that they can be fruitful. I also pray that you would provide your Holy Spirit to them. Give them more of your presence. Let our kids and our students know that you're there to walk with them, that you'll never leave them or forsake them, that you'll be behind them, that you'll be in front of them, that you'll be within them, that you'll walk with them, that they don't have to be afraid or scared as they step onto a new campus, that your presence will give them boldness and peace in everything that they need. And God, we also pause to pray for our educators, for our administrators, for our coaches, for our administrative staff, everyone who works in the school system. God, that you'd give them wisdom, that you'd give them strength, that you'd give them creative ideas about how to teach our kids and students so that they can advance, so that they can be fruitful, and so that you can get the glory. We commit as families today, once again, that as for us and our household, we will serve you. And we say all this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people say... Amen.